Well, this morning, um, I want to bring a word that the, the Holy Spirit's kind of just been resting on me for a, a little while and just beginning to kind of articulate what, what is God doing right now. And the, the title of my message is Keys to Living a, a Life of Fruitfulness. How many want to be fruitful in the kingdom? We are saved and born again with a purpose, a calling in Christ Jesus. And we get to do the things of the kingdom full of joy. And we can live in a place of joy and fulfillment in him. And I believe that God is restoring so much to the the church in this time. We've had a, a very crazy season of life. And what is God doing? He, he was never caught short. So Father, we thank you for what you are doing amongst us, uh, among your beautiful body, the church all over the world. You are transforming us into uh, a bride that's going to be ready for your son, Jesus, at the coming of the age. And Lord, we ask that you would take us, catch the fire Raleigh and catch the fire as a global family, that we would take our part, Father, to bring you glory, Jesus, in the earth through our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you would just open your word to us, that you would speak to us and fill us, Lord, with all that you want to release today. So it, it kind of feels a bit crazy, you know, at times feels like society's unraveling, people are getting more opinionated, it feels like believers in Jesus are being marginalized, and we think, wow, what 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 is going on? You know, what a, about the independent thinking? Are we allowed to be like that? Are we allowed to be the church? You see, Peter received a revelation that his apart he that Jesus would build a community of called out believers he said to peter upon this rock i will build my church he is calling us to be called out believers in this hour ones that are not afraid not ashamed and last week duncan helped to see where we can trip our lives up we can be open to the attacks of the devil if we've got open doors of bitter bitterness and bitter root judgments in our lives and we can close those doors and become fruitful in our lives personally. But it's unto a purpose because God wants us to be fruitful and be able to stand in the culture that he has placed us in at this time. And so the three keys I want to share with you this morning, and you know, this subject is massive, but we're just going to take a tiny slice. But I think they're going to be keys that are going to help us begin to focus in on what God has for us. The first key is that we would worship in spirit. The second key is that we would worship in truth. And the third key is that we would walk in the fear of the Lord, that God is looking for us. Amen. It's the word of God. (laughs) God is looking for a people that will worship him in spirit and truth. Where we would see the word and the spirit flow in together. You know, a church where the word 
is not only preached, but it becomes living and active in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And John 4 is where that passage comes from, where the Word and the Spirit come together. And it was actually, Kelly mentioned today that it was after the passage where Jesus has spoken to the woman at the well, called out destiny in her, didn't shame her with the fact that she had seven, had had seven husbands, but actually called her to, to, to greatness in the kingdom. And he explains to her in verse 23 of John 4 that the hour is coming when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He was basically summarizing. He delivered a word of knowledge And then he gave her the key to success. And it didn't matter that she came from a a broken background, a, a chaotic lifestyle. And that's the thing for us, that wherever we've come from in life, whether you've had really an easy life, whether you've had a broken life or not, that the call is to all of us that the Father would find us Worshipping him in spirit and in truth. And that those two work arm in arm to get hand in hand and arm in arm together. And we can learn from the early church. They were raised in a culture of much persecution where they stand up, stood up for the gospel, but there were mighty signs and wonders alongside the persecution and the difficulties. And you know, there are Churches all over the world that are struggling with persecution. And the church in Iraq, the church in China, North Korea, places like that. But yet somehow in the power of the spirit, the church is multiplying under persecution. And so there is a place from where we can actually begin to see, well, what does this mean for us here in the U.S.? What does it mean in the Western church? We could have the first slide. This is a quote that I found about worship. Worship is to become a matter of the heart, not external actions and directed by truth rather than ceremony. True worship must be in spirit. That is engaging the whole heart. Unless there's a real passion for God, there is no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth. That is properly informed. Unless we have a knowledge of the God we worship, there is no worship in truth. Both are necessary for God-honoring worship. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. As soon as the emotion is over, when the further fervor cools, the worship ends. Truth without spirit can result in a dry, passionless encounter that can easily lead to a form of joyous legalism. The best combination of both aspects of worship results in a joyous appreciation of God informed by scripture. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate him. 
the more we appreciate the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. Isn't that amazing? So deep. It's about the heart. It's about having a heart that is steadfast in the truth of who God is, that we are able to stand and not just experience joy, but actually bring worship and glory to Jesus in our lives. And he's looking for those kind of people. And I think here at Catch the Fire, we do a really good job. But, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more for us to understand. See, the spirit and the word, spirit and truth work hand in hand. Next slide, please. Truth stops us straying into our own truth. Truth stops us straying into our own truth. How many times do you hear people say, well, you know, this is what I believe and this is how I'm going to live my life. And there's no absolute. And if you have nothing to anchor your life on, how do you create your own moral code? How do you define a standard if you don't have something to live your life with? And we're seeing the fruit of a society where different standards or moral codes that we find in the Bible, the book, our book of life, it becomes defined for us. And we want to not only have a grounding in the Word of God, but we want to have the Spirit of God so we don't become religious and legalistic either. And so Jesus is actually introduced to us as the truth. We know that scripture, right? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is truth. When we're born again, we receive truth. The person of Jesus within us is the truth. That's why we can say, because we love Jesus, this is what we do. Because our heart for him. And John 1 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as the uh, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Sometimes we just skim over that word, but he's the truth. We behold his grace, his goodness, his unmerited favor, but we receive his truth as well. He is the Logos and the Gnosko. And those words are taken from John 8. If you continue in my word my Logos, my written word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know, this is the Gnosko, intimate knowing. Word is used for a man knowing his wife in an intimate sexual union. He says, you will know this truth and the truth will make you free. We can only be free and know the truth if we're knowing the right truth. And it says, he who practices truth comes to the light. We come to the light of Christ as we practice truth. And then John 14, the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. He abides in you, the truth himself. And the whole Trinity is involved is the next point. When the helper or the Holy Spirit comes, who I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. So when the Holy Spirit comes, who Jesus will send from the Father, the spirit of truth, he will come to you. Isn't that amazing that we receive truth from God himself? And then the spirit will guide us into truth. He will hear and speak, John 16. And then everyone who is of the truth hears his voice, John 18. I want you to take these because the thing is, there is so much in the Old and the New Testament about the truth, the spirit, the fear of the Lord. It's like, if we know the Bible, if we know the logos, we it comes to us easily. We begin to recite it in our heart. It comes back to us because we've spent time with Jesus himself, the truth, the word, the word who came to live amongst us. But Isaiah, if we're talking about the Old Testament, Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3, there's a prophecy about Jesus. It says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And Jesus came from that stump. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And verse 3 says, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So Jesus came fully loaded from heaven with the seven spirits of God. And then when we were born again and we received Jesus and we became one spirit with him, we took on the new identity of Christ, but we also received those seven spirits of God through the Holy Spirit. That's an exciting thing. And hopefully you're excited about it like I am. That we don't often make reference. Well, that was Jesus. He came with those seven spirits. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We know he was. The spirit of the Lord definitely rested on Jesus in his life on this earth. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, which is courage and boldness. You know, the Holy Spirit comes and transforms us. It's like we become something very unrecognizable at times because the flow of the Holy Spirit releases knowledge, fear of the Lord, wisdom and understanding and might. And he changes our identity by his spirit. But verse 3, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you bring us as a a church, as a a global church to the place where we fear you more than we fear anything else that's happening around us? Any government regime, any um, economic regime, anything, any sense of 
being sidelined as being believers, that we would first and foremost trust and fear in you and delight in that. There are scriptures in Revelation where Revelation 3, it talks about the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Can you imagine? He carries the seven spirits and the seven stars. And before the throne, the seven lampstands were burning. These are the reference to the spirit of God, the seven spirits of God, that the lampstands are burning amongst the churches. And the spirits of the spirits of the Lord are being released through each of us through this time into the earth. Seven is that perfect number of God, the fullness being released, burning lampstands and just being released into the nations as we partner with him, that we see that we're the carriers of the good news, the good news that we come, we come fully loaded with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the anointing breaks every yoke that we face. And so I, I just want to charge you that this is who Jesus has called us to be as his church in this hour. He's called us to be like that in our local church expression, in our businesses, in our homes, that the spirit of God would be released in a magnitude. And this is something that we've, we've want to encourage everything that we do, our ministry, our churches, different, different people that are involved in different things that you see that God is orchestrating that he's sending you fully charged and fully loaded. I want us to turn to Acts 13, which is a, a very precious three verses there, one to three, that the Holy Spirit downloaded to Duncan and I before we came to this city to plant a church, that he gave us this as an apostolic blueprint that we would become a church that first and foremost ministers to God. And as we minister to the Lord, we begin to get an impartation of his heart, not only for the city, but for other situations and for the nations. And it says that there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers So there were five people, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Five people coming together. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, they were serious because they were fasting. You know, you have to be serious if you're going to fast, right? To give up food and to, to give up some of those pleasures. They were, they were devoted. They were seeking God. They were ministering to Jesus together. And while they were worshiping, the voice of the Lord spoke. You see, as we get into his presence together with others, we begin to hear God speak his voice to us because we, we tune in to who he is. 
And he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. And they, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The third blueprint was that they fasted and prayed after they received the word of God. They didn't idly just go and take it loosely. They they took that seriously and, and asked God for strategy as they went. And they were commissioned. You see, Saul was one of the men that was commissioned. And at that time, he had just been saved radically. And so if we go back a few chapters into Acts 9, we've got the story of Saul who was persecuting the Jewish believers at that time, the ones that had come to faith in Jesus. And and he was um, very cruel and persecuting the believers. He was a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And he was his reputation was known. And it said that he was on the way, in verse 3 of 9, on a way to Damascus, and suddenly a light came, and he heard from heaven a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In verse 4. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. You see, he was persecuting the believers, but the voice from heaven says, why are you persecuting me? You see, every believer was a representation of Jesus on the earth, filled with the spirit of Jesus. And so God was letting Saul know, you're not just persecuting this person and this person who tends, who actually knows Jesus, you're persecuting me. You're persecuting my body itself. And he had that revelation. Saul rose from the ground and his eyes were shut. And he saw nothing. And he was led by the hand and brought to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. That's interesting, that little bit. He was so shocked. He'd lost his sight. He'd had that encounter with Jesus, that blinding light and a voice from heaven, the the cruelest ruler at the time, probably one of them. And it says that, verse 10, and there was a disciple at Damascus. Saul was on his way to Damascus. There was a, a disciple called Ananias who was living in Damascus, probably. And the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, rise and go to the street called Straight, Straight Street. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus and getting a vision where the Lord says, I want you to go to the cruelest man in the street, in the, in the area. He's actually down the street at this man's house. And he's praying for you. I mean, would you actually believe that when he'd been going around persecuting? But Ananias, who was a disciple of Jesus, was willing to trust the voice of God that he heard. And it, it, God goes on to say, as he's seen in a vision 
a man called Ananias. He's seen you in a vision that you're going to come and lay hands on him so he might regain his sight. But Ananias wasn't quite sure. Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind who call on your name. This was a very real threat. But the Lord said to him, you know, when the Lord tells you twice, you better listen, right? Go for he is chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Lord downloaded to Ananias a secret, I think, for all of us, that when the Lord speaks, you know, sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to tune in. But what he did, he began to reveal a destiny for this man's soul that was contrary to everything he'd been doing prior to this, where he'd been going around persecuting. But he actually says, I've called this man to carry my name before the Gentiles. And so often God wants to speak to us, but we're so freaked out that we say, stop, I'm not even going to go there. But if we're willing to press in, he's going to reveal some destinies to us for other people. And I think in this hour, we are going to be like the early church where miracles and signs and wonders multiplied every day because people were determined and radical in their faith. And Ananias obeyed God obeyed the voice. He trusted the voice of the Holy Spirit when he said, I I want you to go. You're going to heal him of his blindness. And he's, he's been waiting for you. The Lord has already told him there's a man coming called Ananias. I mean, talk about specific words of knowledge. And he is going to be an amazing man of God for the Gentiles with an incredible destiny. And Saul, who later became Paul, Before he was sent out, he was one of those five people that were praying and ministering to the Lord. He'd already, by the time Ananias went and set him free from his blindness, he was commissioned into a different life. And it says that when Ananias entered the house and laid hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't receive just a half gospel. He received the Holy Spirit as well. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. There you go. He was baptized. You see, when people receive a word that just transforms their life, the scales are going to come off their eyes and they're going to want to confess and profess their faith in Jesus. And then he took food, his appetite came back. He was happy again. He was filled with joy. And it, it says later that he started immediately proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. 
saying he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? All those of those who called upon this name. And has he not come here for the purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And this was because a man called Ananias was willing to make himself very scared and uncomfortable to listen and obey to the word of God and speak destiny to a man who was not only healed, but baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water and went out achieving the purpose. So much so that when they were worshiping together in Acts 13, he was still called Saul, but later his name was changed to Paul, who became the greatest apostle of the early church. Yeah, who wrote Romans, Corinthians, the letters. If you do a Google search and find out which books of the Bible did did Paul write, you're going to get a few. <laughs> and so what, I'm, what, what am I trying to say here? That we just don't know what our obedience and pressing into the Spirit of God and listening to his voice is going to do. And it says at the end of that chapter 9, the church throughout all Judea and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You see, Ananias was a man not only full of the Spirit, but he was full of the fear of the Lord that gave him the comfort the confidence, the boldness. He was filled with the seven spirits of God, that spirit of might and courage that enabled him to do an incredible thing that has changed the course of history for the church today. And he was just a man that didn't really hear much more about other than that one act of obedience Maybe somebody knows anything more about him, but I, I don't at this point. But that's where the Bible is so rich because you can start digging in for things like that. But the fear of the Lord can mean two things. It can mean just fear and awe of God himself. It can also mean the fear and awe of just knowing God's holiness and what that means to us. It, it, it can mean, yeah, God is big out there, but is God big in my heart? Do I have that awe? Do I know that we're set apart for him? This is not a cheap gospel. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we, when we say, I want you to come into my life, we say that you're my Lord and Savior. He's not our homeboy. He's not a friend that we just can cast away. He's actually precious and dear to us. He be, he becomes the ruler of our lives. He becomes our savior. Every day, you know that word sozo means that it's every day we need salvation. Every day we need saving and rescuing from our sinful nature. Every day we need to center our lives again on Jesus so that we can receive him fully. 
And Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think when we have a healthy fear of the Lord, we can come back when we stray from truth. We can come back when we become proud or arrogant, or we can come back when we're feeling like we're lost and alone. When we feel broken, the fear of the Lord drives us back to him, not running away from him. You see, after Saul was commissioned, his name was changed. He became a man like Ananias. He was commissioned. And that that prophetic word that he was going to be an incredible change agent to the Gentiles began to happen. See, God is looking for a church that is willing to be a change agent where we take on the name and the spirits of God to, to be able, those seven spirits, to be able to achieve his will for our life. It's the word made flesh and living amongst us. It's not just Jesus as a, he's out there. It's like, no, he's my dearest friend. I love him. I serve him. And I fear him. And I, I want to know his truth. I want to know his truth. But what are the hindrances that stop us? I have the last slide, please. I think one of the keys that we saw in Acts 13, there were five of them ministering to the Lord. That's why we love to come together in connect groups. And we love to come together as a Sunday congregation and worship nights special events, because as we come together, we see Jesus together in a different way than if it's just me and Jesus. You see, a lot of people say, well, I don't need the church. I can just worship at home. It's just me and Jesus. But that is so self-centered because we actually need each other to see the fullness of who Jesus is. So be in team, be in family. You know, sometimes family can be painful to some of us. But family is actually God's vehicle to heal us as well. That as we vulnerably open our hearts to one another, we see Jesus in each other. We see the face of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. If you don't put daily disciplines of prayer and reading and meditating on the word, you actually don't know what the word says. You know, we, we're in a great age of technology where you could do a word study and look for truth. Look up the word truth and you would find it all over the scriptures. And, you know, that's why I put the scriptures up today so that you could go back and meditate. Take some time. Take some time. Obey the word. Read the word. Listen to the word. Because I tell you, when you start talking to people about Jesus... He brings it back up. It's like as we eat of Jesus, the bread of life, it's like the bread does its work in our life. So get get into it. Just take some time. Make some space. Take the time it, it takes to invest in doing things God's way, knowing his way, using scripture as your anchor. Wanting to do it my way or independence. That is a hindrance from walking in the fear of the Lord. Looking for significance in the wrong places. 
If your identity is not secured in Jesus Christ and you know that you're a son or a daughter of God, you will try to define identity a different way. You know, so often people are using, they're saying their gender's their identity, their political persuasion is their identity, their nationality is their identity. But unless you're a son or a daughter, then every other identity is actually a false one. And so if you can even begin to start just orientating your identity to who he's called you to be, If we want to make a, a name for ourselves, we're walking in pride. If we're insecure and we're trying to fit in, or we're comparing ourselves with others and their gifting, or we're continuing to judge others and the church. You know, even as, even if we begin to judge the church, we're judging the body of Christ. And so often people are like, well, I can't find community at that church. But are you willing to be community for others? Are you be, are you willing to, to share of yourselves, not only to receive? You know, are you willing to lay your life down? And, you know, the message that Duncan spoke last week, you know, it, it keeps going. We catch ourselves often, Duncan and I, when we're like, oh, I think we've judged somebody. We've judged another person. Maybe we've judged a leader, a pastor. You know, and sometimes we lack a lack of purpose or a sense of calling can be a hindrance. If we feel like we're going in the wrong direction and then finally minimizing the lordship of Christ because when we make him Lord and Savior, he takes us seriously because he's holy. He's a holy God. And he wants to change these things. He's, he's like, you know, our father is the, the vine dresser. He just chops off little, little bits of branches that are not bearing fruit anymore. And he gently takes care of us. He tends us. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't come down on heavy. He gently leads us into all truth. And he wants to remove those root systems this morning. He wants to things of, things of national culture and heritage that may not be of the truth of God. He wants, he wants to remove those and for us to find our identity in him. And he wants to establish us where we've isolated ourselves. He wants to bring us in close to one another. So that we as a body can be a worshipping people, ready to be mobilized by God. And I know many of you are already mobilized, but there's, there's more. And I just wonder if we can stand together. Because I was really hearing the Holy Spirit say that he wants to not only baptize us with the Holy Spirit, so that we would know that those seven spirits of God are honors the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of might, the fear of the Lord, counsel, understanding. But he wants to download a spirit like Ananias today.
where we can listen to the voice of God and in the courage of the Holy Spirit, go and do and speak and say things to people around us with the love of God and the courage of the Holy Spirit. And that he wants to give the church a spirit of Ananias today, where we would be willing to go to the most hardened people, the ones that scare us the most, the ones that cause us to step out of our natural constraints, because we've been filled with an anointing that breaks every yoke. And so often we look ourselves as small in the eyes of God, but he sees us as mighty warriors. He sees you as a mighty warrior in the righteousness of God, filled with the spirit of God. And that's how the devil actually sees you. But he wants you to believe that you're just a little insignificant person. And Ananias, not only did he hear the voice of God for another person, he was willing to obey and he was willing to go and prophesy a new beginning for Saul who became one of the greatest apostles and we live our life on the teachings that he was such a blessing to the generations. And so Father, Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We repent for believing the lie that we're just small. But in your mighty power, we agree and believe what you have called us to be today. That when we gave our life to Jesus, not only did we receive Jesus, we received the truth and we received the spirit of the Father that was loaded with the seven spirits. And you have made us brand new. You have commissioned us. And so we repent for isolating ourselves. We repent for believing lies. Anything that's come into mind. Repent for where you've been so insecure that you've not been able to step out. Repent where you've had your own version of the truth. Holy Spirit, bring us back to a love for your word that we would consume you, that we would eat you, Father. We would feast on your delights, that you are the bread of life. Would you save us today? That word, so Zoe, it's like you're my salvation today. Would you save me from myself? So often I pray that, that I would begin to manifest the nature of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is empowering us today to do that. If you're a business leader, a ministry leader, a leader in your home. I just saw all over the city men and women 
like Ananias being sent out into your workplaces, into your businesses, into this triangle region, into the nations. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit comes on you with his power. And I want to invite you to the front because I want to just release that spirit of Ananias over your businesses, over your homes, over your ministries. I see an acceleration and I see that the Spirit of God is going to break out with miracles, signs and wonders like the the church in the New Testament. The fear of the Lord is going to consume us, a fear for our unsaved relatives and colleagues. I see the spirit of boldness falling on as the Holy Spirit himself. Those seven spirits are released in the fullness of God. So hold out your hands as though you're about to receive a big impartation. And Father, we thank you for the impartation of the Holy Spirit right now. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Every person called in this room to be like Ananias, a man who was in fear and trembling, but feared the Lord more than his own fears. That you would overtake our fears, Holy Spirit. That you would give us visions in the night and words in the day. And that we would open our mouths with boldness and courage to proclaim in scary situations. I see the Lord taking people into um, offices, boardrooms, and businesses, and opportunities that seem scary to you. But I see the boldness of heaven coming on you, that spirit of might. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for the release of understanding and counsel. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that our fear, our delight will be in the fear of the Lord. And I see the Holy Spirit right now just begin to receive that mantle like Ananias. A boldness and a courage is coming on you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Every business, let there be multiplication. I see chains breaking off. I see deliverance happening, even as you're having coffee with people. Even as you're speaking, it's like the Holy Spirit's taking over you in your hands and your voice. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would multiply signs and wonders and miracles in our hands, Father. That as we are going about our business that you would bless us, Father, with the word of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to receive it. Just begin to receive it. And there are some of you that... You're just in the congregation waiting waiting for the breakthrough. Father, I ask that the spirit of truth and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that we would worship in spirit and truth this week. Just let the word of God bubble up in your hearts this week. I just release a fresh hunger for Jesus and his word. And if you're under 22, could you, could I just ask you to come to the front? I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something with that age group. 
Come on, I can see you. Everyone stay standing, but I just want to invite these young people. You're in a generation where your peers no longer know, understand, or even understand that the Bible is the Word of God. And therefore, they have no grid for the truth of God. They have no grid for God. And the Holy Spirit wants to anoint each of you to be able to reach your friends, the people that have never been raised in a Christian home, don't even know who Jesus is apart from a swear word. And he wants to come and anoint you. Yeah, Pastor Jacob's just going to lay hands on you. Just begin to stretch out your hands, everyone. God wants to do something very special in this younger generation because it's time to turn the tide of what the enemy has tried to do. Do you want to come forward, kids? The ones behind, come. Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that you would raise up this remnant generation, Father. We agree with heaven. We agree for the purposes of heaven that you would release the voice like a trumpet going out, Father, to the Gen Zs and the younger, that they would see the real deal through these people, that they would lay hands, that each person would be bold in the Holy Spirit and they would lay hands on their friends and they would see miracles, signs and wonders and a breakthrough. Father, I ask for churches to be birthed. I ask for ministries, worship leaders, inventors, business people to be raised up, Father, that you would release in this time mighty, mighty apostles, mighty prophets, mighty evangelists, lovers of Jesus, Father, that would turn the tide, that would turn the tide. We agree together, Father, for all that you want to establish. And we say yes and amen for your church that we would grow and multiply in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.